Hey everyone, this is your girl, T.S. Robin Sovereign, coming to you loud, live, and in color, baby, from St. Louis, Missouri. Listen, I know it's been a while, it's been a minute, it's been a hot minute, actually. Um, I want to say, first and foremost, thank you to everybody that reached out to me out of concern for not posting for a while. Um, I got many messages all across my social media, um, people asking me if I'm okay, you know, just people who are concerned, people who are worried, um, or people who are just curious and they're wondering what happened. I took a break from social media uh, to work on my mental health. And anybody that's currently struggling with their mental health, if you, especially if you're somebody that recently went through trauma, if you have a history of being omitted to psychiatric facilities and you feel like your mental health is slipping, or if you take medications for your mental health and you feel like your medications are failing you, I highly encourage you to, um, if possible, take off work. Especially in a time like this during a pandemic, you know, it's you're probably better safe than sorry. And if there ever was a time for you to take off work and you could for your mental health... Um, I mean, you'd be killing two birds in, with one stone if you did it around this time. Now, um, this particular podcast is going to be a little bit more sensitive, and I'm going to be talking about um, a subject that I'm very passionate about, and that is mental health. A lot of people probably wouldn't take me for the kind of person that is a mental health advocate, but I feel like if you're going to be an entertainer of some kind, there has to be one thing that you feel very passionate about. And for me, that is mental health awareness and transgender rights. You know, I'm sure it doesn't surprise people that I would be a big supporter of transgender rights, but as far as mental health awareness goes, um, you know, Bambi and I have talked a bit on the channel about dealing with depression and things like that. And um, I feel like, especially, you know, being that I just came out of a very powerful spell of depression, uh, which which I'm going to be getting into, I feel like now would be a good time to tell my audience, you know, I recently discovered what imposter syndrome was. You know, I've known about this for a few months now. Um, and it was essential for me really addressing my most recent mental breakdown, to be frank with you. Um, if I honestly knew what imposter syndrome was when I was 14 and I was just discovering what anxiety and depression and the huge can of worms that adolescents put me through was, I probably would be a very different person and I probably would have not done a lot of the horrible, incredibly self-destructive things that I've done over the years. In fact, if I knew what imposter syndrome was, um, <laughs> I probably wouldn't even be the same person I am today. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a positive way. Like, I probably wouldn't have made many uh, self-destructive mistakes. You know, I think uh, something that I should start off with is I should uh, explain what an inner saboteur is. An inner saboteur is... It's basically that feeling you get when you have a devil on your shoulder. And um, it's a term that's often used in describing uh, imposter syndrome. A lot of people have this idea that um, people with imposter syndrome uh, feel like they're going to be exposed all the time as a fraud. And um, while that's a generally understood idea of 
what imposter syndrome is, and it's not exactly incorrect. It's just a misunderstanding. Um, a lot of people with imposter syndrome, if I have to be frank and really just explain what it is to you, it's this feeling you have where your accomplishments and all of the things that you have worked on, uh, whether it's your academic success, so, you know, your A's and B's in school, uh, you, you know, your honor roll grades, whether it's your relationship, you know, you could be married, engaged, none of the above, but you might feel like, you know, you're not doing your partner as well as they're doing for you. You know, you might feel like you don't give as much in the relationship. You know, you might feel like your grades aren't enough. You just got lucky. You know, you don't deserve these things. Or it could affect your work life in a way where it's like, uh, did my coworker complimenting me in that meeting really mean anything? Or did I really deserve to make employee of the month because I know how hard such and such, you know, worked? It's this idea that, uh, okay, so if I, if I had to give you another example, um, it's sort of like, we all know what a narcissist is, Right. Um, another word that, or another term rather, that you may not be familiar with is the term Napoleon complex. That's where, you know, you, it's named after Napoleon. It's where you have a shortcoming of some kind, or you have some sort of flaw that you are very insecure about. So you overcompensate for it. In Napoleon's case, it was his height, but, um, it's where you overcompensate for it. Now, imagine if you, have the opposite of these two things. If you felt like you were scum of the earth, you feel like you didn't, des you don't deserve anything, that you get lucky, that at some point um, you're going to be exposed by your peers or by your family members or loved ones as being a fraud. It's this deep underlying anxiety that people have. And the thing about it is, um, if you basically inverse what narcissism and a Napoleon complex is and you make it where you feel like um, you ain't shit, excuse my French, it's going to have a negative impact on your mental and physical well-being. You know, a lot of people don't like to talk about this, but they think that mental health is just the feelings you have inside of your head. That is not what mental health is. Um... You know, believe it or not, this may sound really weird, but there's like different scans that can be done on the brain to differentiate people that have ADHD and people who are neurotypical. It's, I know this may sound weird, but people have different brains. Wow. And guess what happens when you think really powerful, negative thoughts about yourself all the time? It negatively impacts your health in many ways. Like somebody with depression is more likely to suffer from physical ailments. I mean, all that aside, I mean, if you really think about it, depression already on its own can cause intense lack of motivation, dare I say apathy, where every single thing you do feels like a physical chore and you are drained emotionally all the time and you're struggling for energy. Um, you know, you are finding, you're struggling to find the will to live because you already deal with constant hopelessness. All right? Depression can have a really negative effect on people's physical well-being. It can cause heart problems. It can cause breathing problems. Um, it can cause 
you know, your susceptibility for various different ailments and diseases to go up because basically your soul has been fucking crushed. Um, and imposter syndrome is a very powerful soul crusher. Um, it's not the same as depression. A lot of people have this idea that, you know, they have anxiety and depression and they think that that is all there is to it, but it's actually much deeper than that. Now, I will say that this may sound actually quite ratchet, but I do have the Wikipedia <laughs> for imposter syndrome in front of me, and I may be turning to it at various different times to read from it different passages. Now, I, I decided to do this for a number of reasons. For those of you who don't know, Wikipedia is actually a very good place to find sources if you're ever writing a paper. It, ha it has this thing called citations. That's the number after the sentence, okay? And if you press that number after the sentence, it, it, it shows you what the citation for that is. And that will show you the facts, okay? Um, so I, a lot of people would argue, Robin, that's actually really ratchet of you to be using Wikipedia. Um, I would argue otherwise. In fact, Wikipedia often uh, sources other encyclopedias anyways. So now um, a few things about imposter syndrome, and this is not me reading off of Wikipedia, but you are more likely to have imposter syndrome if you are a woman. Um, and you are also more likely to have imposter syndrome if you're black or brown or trans or gay or bisexual, or disabled. And there's actually a reason for that. Uh, it's because these are what are what's called marginalized groups. Basically, um, society likes to give these different groups the short end of the stick. And oftentimes, already existing prejudices and stereotypes of these different people exist in society. For example, black women in academia. Now, for those of you <laughs> who may not realize this, um, a lot of the time, black women in the workplace and uh, in schools have to basically counteract a bunch of very disturbing negative stereotypes that are only specifically attributed to them because of their appearance. Trans women actually go through this too, especially if they don't pass. Um, but the studies for how this affects women and also black women are much more thorough than in other groups. And I'm definitely going to be talking about that. Um, now there's a huge history behind the, behind studying imposter syndrome. And I would be lying to you if I told you that there was information about how it affects cisgender straight white guys, because I have to be honest with you. That is not a group that people often think, hmm, wow, they have it so hard because they're straight and white and Christian and rich. Oh, their life is so hard. That is not typically uh, something that is said. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a straight Christian heterosexual. <laughs> That's what straight is. What am I doing? There's nothing wrong with being, you know, you're a, a white guy. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But the, the T of it is... Um, you're more than likely going to have a much harder start in life, shall we say, if you are a member of any of the groups that I mentioned earlier. And um, the thing about women, and by proxy, African-American black women, um, that you can study more is that these are easily observable groups of people. So 
of course, there's been more science behind why imposter syndrome affects these people. But then again, um, as a side note, as a society, men are more likely to actually commit suicide than women are. I know, trigger warning, I, I mentioned suicide, but um, men are actually more likely to commit suicide, and there's a reason for that. It's because men are also less likely to take prescription drugs um, for their mental health. It's also because men are less likely to see a therapist or a life coach. To be honest with you, um, women are generally more approachable <laughs> as people and i'm not just saying that because i'm biased as a woman but i would also argue as a transsexual um women have it way harder in every single imaginable capacity um compared to men and i i wish i was being like overly dramatic and saying that but um women are scrutinized for anything and everything they do in fact um <laughs> Any, have any of you heard of something called mansplaining? This thing where men like to tell you the exact same thing that you just said, and then they repeat it to you as though they know better, as though you're a child. Um, that is something that only... I'm not saying it doesn't happen to other men, where men act pompous and arrogant and do that to other men. Sure, but there's a unique set of history behind women being traditionally viewed as these inferior beings to men um i'll give you an example when women marry men they usually take the last name of the man and men are typically the only people who continue bearing on the last name and whenever you have children with a man typically the man's last name is the one that's on the birth certificate. There's a reason for this. It's because traditionally women were viewed as property, okay? Um, this concept that women are intellectually inferior to men and property is not something that's gone anywhere. Um, women being scrutinized for their appearance is not something that's gone anywhere. And there's so many negative stereotypes that apply to women. Like, for example, if you're a blonde woman, which, <laughs> you know, funny enough, um, this is actually something that could be applicable to white women uh, compared to other minority groups of women that might actually suffer from imposter syndrome worse. But um, in the instance of a blonde woman, her intellect is challenged by the dumb blonde stereotype when we all know good and well that your hair color has nothing to do with your intellect. In fact, um, women who are raven hair such as myself with black hair are usually uh, portrayed and viewed by mainstream society as being sophisticated intellectual down to earth and then when it comes to redheads you know they're often thought as fiery emotional these are negative these are negative stereotypes the the insinuation that you would actually think that somebody's hair color has a lot to say about them as people is genuinely ridiculous because people people are capable of so many things it's silly to think something as arbitrary as hair or eye color could put them into a box but the thing about imposter syndrome is you question everything about yourself all the time you know as a trans woman i'm constantly questioning 
when I look in the mirror before I go somewhere, I'm like, oh my God, you know, why have I not had this plastic surgery yet? I look terrible. I'm uncomfortable. You know, I, I think, am I going to pass? Am, am I going to go out there? And are people going to go, that's a man, Maury, that's a man. That's a concern of mine. And as a trans woman, um, you know, these thoughts in the back of my head can cause me to sweat and have heart palpitations and make me feel very uncomfortable. And they, these are things that affect all different kinds of people. You know, say you are a black woman at a prestigious university. We'll use the example of Michelle Obama or my, well, my Angelou or Michelle Obama are actually very good examples of this because both of them are incredibly intelligent women who are so well spoken. Um, but something that they both have in common is imposter syndrome. And they're very open about the fact that when they were in school, they often felt like they had to go out of their way to portray themselves as um, basically the tokenized version that society wanted them to be. They had to, in quotes, you know, talk white, you know, they had to um, appeal to the masses <laughs> of their school in a way where they didn't have the negative stereotype as of coming across as the angry black woman if they ever voiced some sort of uh, disagreement that they had. They always had to have these overachieving, you know, phenomenal grades because back home, their parents were like, you know, our, the future of our family is on you. You need to be different. And the, the weird thing about it is imposter syndrome is actually most of the time, um, and this isn't, you know, across the board, but most of the time it's actually caused by our own family members, our own parents who... Um, they send mixed messages to their children and it causes them to grow up and be conflicted in their identities. Um, in the case of Michelle Obama, you know, she had parents that were wanting her to do her absolute best, you know, driving her for her to be on the honor roll. And, you know, she felt as though, um, cause she went to law school. She was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to make something out of my life. I'm going to, you know, my family worked hard to, to put me through school and I, I got all these scholarships. I can't stop now. I got to stay up and I got to study and I have to prove my other classmates wrong because I have all of these classmates that don't look like me that are expecting me to do well. And if I don't even fulfill my own criteria for how I want to do, then I'm already a failure. If you're not first, you're last. That's the mindset of somebody who has an inner saboteur. If you're not first, you're last. And sometimes, even if you're in first, you didn't deserve to be in first. That's what it feels like. Um, you know, I, I highly encourage you to look up imposter syndrome on Wikipedia. Give it the full read-through. Um, I, I'm actually going to go there right now and read off some of the symptoms to you. Now, a lot of there's a lot of different symptoms here that actually overlap with depression. Um, but that's the funny thing about imposter syndrome. Like I was saying earlier, a lot of people don't realize that they have it. Okay, so actually before I read the symptoms of it, um, there's a lot of different types of uh, imposter syndrome. Some of the settings that you may uh, feel these things are 
in a new environment, in academic settings, in the workplace, and in social interactions, or in, your romant- or in your romantic relationships. Okay, so those are different areas where you may experience it. But then um, going to like different connections uh, with people who may actually accidentally give this to you, it may be caused by family expectations, overprotective parents or legal guardians, uh, graduate level counsel work, racial identities, attribution to style. So actually attribution to style is like a whole other conversation. Uh, people who have anxiety or depression are already susceptible to it. People who suffer from very low self-esteem may suffer from this. People who suffer from perfectionism. Uh, perfectionism is something I haven't talked about yet. A lot of you may or may not know this, but I am an artist. People who are perfectionists, you know, they make people who are very artistic, I'm just going to leave it at, are more likely to be susceptible to this because something I do, for example, is I write letters to people and these letters that I write have to be flawless. They, the grammar, the spelling, the punctuation, they have to be sentimental. I have to have a way with words when I write them that I can be proud of. Perfectionism is a contributing factor as well to imposter syndrome because, you know, it's not enough to be, you know, a a good mom. It's not enough to, um, you know, already be a manager for such and such company. You want to do better. You want to be the best mom. You want to be the CEO of the company. You want to work your way up. You want to be the best. And the problem with that is... Um, the strive to be the best is there, but the self-esteem is not. The self-esteem is actually the opposite. You are pushing yourself to do better and better based off how bad of a person you feel like you are on the inside. So imposter syndrome can actually be quite double-sided. People with imposter syndrome are actually usually very hard workers, but they are so analytical and they're so meticulous and, um, you know, thorough with everything that they do that, you know, oftentimes they'll pump something out right before the deadline. You know, they, their perfectionism actually can be a serious drawback, basically. Um, excessive self-monitoring with an emphasis of self-worth. I mean, that goes without saying, based off of everything I've said. You know, um, and then there's... <laughs> There's actually this short list here um, that says like um, like a bunch of different stuff that applies to people. It says that you know people are often referred to as the smart one, the talented one, the responsible one, the sensitive one, the good one, or our favorite. These are things that um, you know if if you think that calling somebody with imposter syndrome these things are good, actually. <laughs> A lot of people, you know, they have this idea that if I'm going to compliment somebody, oh, yeah, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to make them feel better about themselves. But the, the ironic thing about imposter syndrome is sometimes it can actually make things worse. You know, if your teacher in a class that you struggle in, but you're doing good in, tells you you're the smart one. Instantly, that is now a new expectation that you have given yourself where when you go into this class, you ain't going to let nobody down. You have to be the smart one. And a lot of you may not realize it, but if you have imposter syndrome, that is a 
powerful, hard expectation to constantly follow. In fact, it's very stressful. Um, you know what? Where is the symptoms of this? Where's the... Oh, actually, hold on. Well, I'm already <laughs> in the Wikipedia article. Um, I'm going to name off some people that are familiar on this list uh, that also have imposter syndrome. Maya Angelou, Tom Hanks, Michelle Obama, Michelle Pfeiffer, um, Adam Savage, Sonia Sotomayor, um, Emma Watson. I'm surprised to see her on this list, actually. Uh, yep. Honestly, I'm not trying to be shady, uh, but the other people that they mentioned, I don't know who the hell they are, so I'm not even going to mention them. Um, where Where is the side effects section to this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's five different major types of, you know, overlapped areas that people may have uh, imposter syndrome. Some of them are the perfectionist, the superman, the superwoman, the natural genius, the solo, and the perfectionist. Honestly, of all of these, let me let me see how many of these actually apply to me. The perfectionist, that's me. Superman, superwoman, not me. Natural genius, <laughs> I hate myself too much to be a natural genius. Um, the soloist, no, I work pretty well with others. The expert, uh, I am a know-it-all. So you know what? I actually do feel like these are two different areas that I actually probably fit really well into. You know what? I'm... I'm probably tripping balls, y'all, but I don't see the actual list of side effects. Um, but you know what? I'm going to go ahead and give you guys several sources as a link in this podcast. Um, and one of these sources at some point <laughs> that I'm going to list below are going to have different side effects attributed to imposter syndrome. But if I had to tell you some of the side effects that have afflicted me are cripplingly low self-esteem, questioning myself all the time, um, destroying projects that I've worked incredibly hard on, uh, destroying diets and binge eating because I felt like my diets were completely in vain. Honestly... Uh, the best way to describe the side effects of imposter syndrome are it causes self-harm, it causes self-doubt, and it causes self-sabotage. There's a reason why uh, it's called your inner saboteur. It's because you sabotage yourself in many different aspects of your life. Um, and I think that this would be a good time to give you some examples of how imposter syndrome could affect your life. If... You have this idea, uh, this is a good indicator, by the way, um, if you're wondering, do I have imposter syndrome? Hmm. Let me ask you this. Ladies, if you're married out there, have you ever had the thought, yes, I'm married, but do I make a good wife? Am I a suitable wife? Should I even be married? Does my husband deserve me? And not not deserve me in the way that, you know, I feel like I'm the prize. I feel like he's the prize and I'm the bro- I'm the last place. <laughs> the last place participation trophy ribbon that my husband settled on. Um, you know, I'm I'm lucky to even be a part of his life. If you actually feel like that, there's a good chance you might have imposter syndrome baby cuz Believe it or not, marriage is a unified, equal thing in which a man and a woman, or, you know, on, honestly, a man and a man, woman and a woman, whatever. It's where two people come together. And um, 
they work on improving each other's lives and love each other till they die. Or at least that's what it's supposed to be. If you have that unhealthy mindset about if about your worth, there's a good chance that you might have imposter syndrome. If you are at school and you are getting B's and you're like, wow, I hate my life. What am I going to do with myself? I have B's. <laughs> Think about my career like, what, what am I going to do later on down the line? Uh, you know, I, I will never be able to make it to Harvard now, never be able to make it to Princeton now. If you're actually thinking like that, baby, there's a good chance you have imposter syndrome. The, the stakes that you have put on yourself, the things that you have told yourself are destructive. And you know what? Maybe you should seek help for that. If you are at work and you are making employee of the month and you are getting great sales and you're working hard, or you know what? You might even just be average. You might do perfectly fine and you feel like, you know, you lucked out with this job. You can't believe you got it. <laughs> you know, uh, you you sometimes, you know, take too long on your coffee breaks and, uh, you know, there was that one time that you came in late, like two years ago, and you're still beating yourself up about it. If that, if you're really thinking like that, there's a good chance that you have imposter syndrome. Cause let me be honest with you. One of the hardest things to do is go to sleep at night, not thinking about all of my failures during the day. If this sounds like you, you probably have imposter syndrome and I highly encourage you to look it up. Um, I'm going to provide links in the description below. Hopefully you guys have found this informative and entertaining and I will see you guys or rather talk to you guys real, real soon. Bye.